Good morning, and welcome to Cityscape. I'm George Borarki. You know you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything, and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. That's Lauren Bacall in the 1944 film To Have and Have Not. I can't even imagine how many times our guest this morning may have heard that said to him, especially because his name happens to be Steve. Steve Herbst is a world champion whistler. He lives right here in New York City. Steve's been wowing audiences with his artistic whistling for over five decades. He's performed all over the place, including Carnegie Hall and Avery Fisher Hall. Steve's whistled on television and radio commercials. He's even put out CDs. Steve, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Cityscape. Good morning, George. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. How many times have you heard that? Quite a few times. You know, that and uh, Where's Whistler's Mother are two favorite questions that people seem to ask me. I'm sure you're familiar with all of the cliches related to whistling. Pretty much. How long have you been whistling? Well, I started whistling when I was about seven years of age and uh, whistled everywhere I went, walking to school and walking home. And when I got home, I'd go into the bedroom and I'd turn on my phonograph player and start uh, practicing it as a as an instrument. I didn't think it would be of interest to anybody else. You know, I just kind of, it was just my own little thing. But uh, that's when I started, and by the time I was 10, uh, I had developed a three-octave range. You grew up not far from here in Ossining, right? I grew up in Ossining. Um, I actually lived in Brooklyn and Queens before then, but uh, I consider Ossining my hometown. Your dad whistled. My dad whistled. He uh, played several musical instruments and painted and sculpted and uh, sang and uh, whistled. And the, the singing and the whistling are what captured my fancy. He never did it professionally, though. No, no. He was a stock trader. So you went off to college whistling. Yes, and um, I'd get together with uh, my best friend in a rehearsal room, and he'd play, uh, you know, jazz and blues, and I, you know, we would just jam for the fun of it, just to, you know, the two of us, uh, never intending to do anything with it, but you know, just have fun with it. And I was a member of the University of Pennsylvania Glee Club for four years, and a, and a soloist with them, and. We'd do some numbers that called for flute, and the director of the glee club used to whistle those parts. And one night he went dry, you know, the thing that we all worry about. And uh, I went up to him afterwards. I said, you know, I could do that for you. And he said, fine, it's all yours. And that's when I started performing whistling in concerts, you know, in public. And on one occasion, I had the opportunity to actually whistle for visiting royalty. Emperor Hirohito's uh, brother, Prince Mikasa, was in from Japan with his bride, the princess, and I had to simulate a Japanese reed flute hitting high E flat with a grace note, sans vibrato. And I uh, got introduced to the prince and the princess afterwards. Uh, pretty heady stuff for a teenager. I'm sure. Was it at that point that you realized you may have a career in whistling? Well, you know, I don't know if I would jump to that conclusion. I had a game plan, and I was uh, not including whistling for anything more than just the fun I went to law school, and I, had a, I sold insurance for a while, and then I wound up in the advertising business. I was in the advertising business for 34 years. About um, 13 years ago, when I uh, was invited to be on the Live with Regis and Kathy Lee television show and got paid for that, for whistling, that's when I thought, hmm, maybe there's something to this, because uh, people started you know, getting in touch with me. Uh, they called into the show. They liked what they saw. They wanted to know if I was available for concerts. They wanted to know if I had an album. 
and I started thinking, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe there is more potential to this than I had ever dreamed about. And I started thinking about that and kind of easing into that. And then uh, four years ago, I retired from the advertising business and turned to whistling full time. You whistled a particular tune on that program, right? I did. Um, I uh, whistled uh, Music of the Night from Phantom of the Opera. Can you do that for us this morning? It's not nighttime, but why not?
world champion whistler Steve Herbst on Cityscape right here on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Absolutely amazing, Steve. Listening to you is like listening to someone sing minus the lyrics. I've had people come up and say to me, you're a singer, aren't you? And I say, well, yes, I am. And I was actually a a singer, uh, a soloist before uh, I became a whistler. You know, I've been in glee clubs and colleges all my life. I'm currently a member of the University Glee Club of New York City uh, for about 30 years now. That is, you know, a real passion of mine, not my profession. But the truth is that not all whistlers are singers, just as all singers are not whistlers. And uh, But people f- say they hear singing in the whistling. And my being a singer does affect how I phrase things and how I interpret things, because if it's a song that has lyrics, as Music of the Night does, I'm sort of singing it in my head to interpret what I'm doing with the notes. So, you know, there is, you know, reality to that. I would mention in passing, by the way, if you uh, like the piano accompaniment there, that is my brother. Uh, my uh, brother David uh, does uh, my accompaniment and my arrangements, and, you know, he's uh, like my secret weapon. A musical family, huh? Well, all the men in my family are have either been singers or musicians or fine arts painters or something like that, going back a number of generations. There are different kinds of whistling, right? You have two basic styles of whistling. Uh, what I do is called instrumental whistling, and I get compared to various musical instruments, uh, you know, flutes, uh, trumpets, oboes, clarinets, uh, violins, uh, and on occasion musical saw, uh, but very often from people who are you know, more familiar with musical instruments, uh, the theremin comes up. You know, that's kind of interesting because I was actually hired to replace a theremin uh, for a TV commercial for uh, Verizon DSL. Uh, this was the one with the dog floating in the air, and they wanted something very eerie-sounding. It was like a sci-fi approach. Unfortunately, they mixed that whistling down, and, and uh, we doubled it to make it even eerier uh, with the vibrati out of phrase. So nobody came looking for me after that uh, commercial because uh, they didn't believe it was human. But in any event, that's the instrumental style. So people who whistle instrumentally um, are looking to replace instruments and you know, stay as faithful as possible to you know, what kind of an instrument is it's involved there, what the composer may have had in mind. The other style is what we call bird whistling. Bird whistlers are those who look to sound like a bird doing the song. So they tend to embroider with uh, trills and warbling. Uh, You know, uh, Bing Crosby, for instance, was a a bird whistler. Now, beyond the two main styles, you have several different techniques. What people are most often hearing is is what we call pucker whistling. That's where the lips are puckered like, you know, you're going to give a kiss. There's also uh, tongue and palate whistling, which doesn't involve the lips at all. For example, something like... um, is pucker whistling. Mm-hmm. The same thing done tongue and palate would be... A different sound. It's, you know, dirtier, uh, you know, more, more low down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice for blues and stuff like that. Uh, then you have the very uh, New York City practical finger whistling for calling cabs. I understand you can't do that. I can't. I have to raise my arm like everybody else, <laughs> you know. So there you have two styles and several techniques. I have to say that I don't really hear people whistling around New York City these days. Why is that, do you think? Well, you know, you don't hear people whistling very much anywhere. 
but whistling is on the rise. My motto is whistling is an idea whose time is returned. We had what was called the golden age of whistling, and that was in the 1930s and 40s and 50s, where professional whistlers actually toured with the big bands. You know, you'd see the trumpet player stand up and do a, you know, a bit, and the, he'd sit down, and the trombone player would stand up and do a bit. Well, a whistler would stand up and, and do a bit. And you had whistlers like Elmo Tanner, who toured with the Ted Weems Orchestra, and uh, his big hit was Heartaches. You know, these guys had recordings. You know, they, they were selling albums. You know, you had Fred Lowry, the blind whistler. And let me point out that you share something in common with some of these folks, and that is that you are in the International Whistlers Hall of Fame. Yes, uh, I'm very proud of that. It's the highest honor a whistler can um, be given. Um, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame last year at the International Whistlers Convention. There are, uh, you know, whistlers like uh, Bing Crosby in the Hall of Fame. And the reason it kind of vanished is, uh, you know, I, I assert it was because the transistor radio came along, and instead of walking down the street whistling, people now had, you know, little earpiece uh, stuck in their ears and something in their pocket that they could move around portably. And it didn't get any uh, better after that. You know, we went to boomboxes and Walkmen and Discmen and Watchmen and iPods and MP3 players and, and even cell phones with ringtones and Game Boys and, and all of these things which are fun. And, you know, I have some of these things myself, of course. But you didn't have the example being set for kids, you know, which is why when I do concerts, you know, my best two audiences are seniors who remember and children who are fascinated because it's all new to them. You also once performed with the jazz guitarist. Les Paul. I've had the opportunity to perform with Les Paul seven times really? at the Iridium Jazz Club. Les uh, heard me on another radio show and called into the show. And I was I was blown away. He said he liked what he heard and he wanted to invite me to come down to the Iridium and perform. Performing with a living legend like Les Paul, who for the listeners who may not be aware, invented the electric guitar and and multi-track recording and overdubbing, which, you know, so, I mean, almost everybody in the music business owes him some kind of a debt one way or the other. Um, you know, it was a great thrill. And, uh, you know, he has uh, top caliber musicians behind him. And, you know, it's just a great pleasure, on top of which, uh, you know, the audiences who pay uh, very good money to come see him uh, at the Iridium uh, are really paying attention, you know, as opposed to some venues where, uh, the musicians are wallpaper. You whistle music of all genres, as we know. You do Broadway, you do classical, you also do popular, and I know you do Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And I would love for you to do Sir Duke for us this morning, because I also know there's a great story behind that song for you as well, which I'd love for you to share after we hear it. All righty.
This is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Boldarki. Our guest this morning is Steve the Whistler Herbst. Now, Steve, there is a story behind that song for you, Stevie Wonder's Sir Duke. Yeah. I um, occasionally perform at um, Ashford and Simpson's nightclub, The Sugar Bar, which is on 72nd Street between Broadway and West End. And I ran into a world-class jazz flautist named Bobby Humphrey. Bobby was rather taken with what I do, and and she said, I'm going to have to take you up to Harlem. I said, okay, cool. So we were driving up to Harlem. She was taking me to St. Nick's Pub. I did Sir Duke for her in the car, and she said, "Um, hmm, hold on a second. She whips out a cell phone, punches in a number, and she says into the cell phone, listen to this. And she says, okay, do that again. Do this Sir Duke again. I have no idea who's on the other end of the cell phone. After she hung up the phone, I turned to her and said, so who was on the phone? And she said, oh, that was Stevie. (laughs) Turns out that he is uh, her best friend, and she wanted him to hear what I was doing with his music. Surprise, surprise, huh? You never know. You never know. So I hope he enjoyed it. (laughs) Can you whistle just about anything? No. I can whistle a whole lot of stuff, and, and, and I... You know, thousands of tunes. You know, some of the whistlers that I compete with are really able to do, you know, like very quick, tricky, intricate pieces. I mean, you know, much trickier and more intricate than, you know, what I've done for you so far. You know, something like Flight of the Bumblebee, you know, it's not one that's in my repertoire. I mean, I know other whistlers who can, but, you know, it's not my not my thing. You know, how many notes can I knock out per second? I try to focus more on, you know, doing things beautifully or artistically. Are there more male whistlers than female whistlers out there? There are. This isn't really because of any biological advantage. You know, some think it's, you know, it's like tennis, you know, the the males serve harder or something. But I assert that it's uh, socioeconomic uh, and cultural uh, factors that enter into it. Years ago, whistling was like smoking, uh, considered unladylike. And uh, there's an old saw that says that uh, whistling women and cackling hens will come to no good ends. And uh, blue girls were discouraged from whistling. Another uh, factor is that uh, it's, you know, even though our society is changing and, you know, women taking, well, running for president, you know, it's still harder for most women to go to home to their husbands and say, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to go to North Carolina to the International Whistlers Convention and competition and you take care of the kids and the house and the you know the laundry and everything else and I'll see you after the weekend you know it's harder to get away with that you mentioned that competition and back in 2002 you won the international grand championship I did uh, and I'm also very proud of the fact that I'm the only man so far that's been named uh, international whistling entertainer of the year three times what do you need to do in order to win that honor well, when you compete, uh, first of all, you have to qualify to enter the competition you know, with uh, with demos, tapes, and, and uh, bio and so forth. When you go down there, you have the opportunity to compete in the classical category and the popular category. And you can compete in either or, but if you want to be considered for grand champion, it's a highest aggregate score in the finals. So you have to compete in both. You know, To advance to the finals, you have to be you know, doing well in popular and classical categories in the uh, preliminary round. And you have to have separate pieces available for each round, and you have to have separate pieces available in case of a tie, you know, in case you have a whistle-off. And um, uh, at the last competition, uh, this uh, in 2007, 
I found myself for the first time in all the years I've been competing in a tie and uh, had to come back and, and do another piece. And uh, my competitor uh, scored 95 points out of 100, and I uh, did 97.5. So <laughs> we broke the tie. That was um, what happened this past year. And what was that tune? Uh, the one I used to break the tie? Mm -hmm. Well, that was uh, Claire de Lune by uh, Debussy. Uh, not what I had done in the regular first final, uh, you know, in, when I had done the final round the first time. But when I came back to break the tie, I did it with uh, Claire de Lune. Can I get you to do another classical tune this morning? Well, sure. Maybe uh, something in a Mozart? Why not pick one of the most complicated, difficult composers ever, right? By the way, one of the things that um, is nice about being a whistler is that uh, when you have uh, a three-octave range, and, and, and the top whistlers have three to four-octave range, I have three octaves, you can perform things that you could never sing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a baritone, and I have a pretty wide range as a baritone, but not as wide as I might as a whistler. So I can do soprano arias, and uh, what I'll do for you this morning is the revenge aria from uh, the Queen of the Night from Mozart's Magic Flute.
once again, Steve Herbst. Steve, are there any health benefits to whistling? Do you improve your lung power or anything like that? First of all, you can look at health benefits in two different ways. I mean, one is what you're doing for your lungs. I know a fellow who's a, a, another whistler, a good friend of mine, who has emphysema um, or asthma, one or the other, I forget. But he was told by his doctor, whatever you're doing, don't stop because it's really making a huge difference in his lung capacity. Um, I've also done some concerts for the American Lung Association. The other is that whistling is a mood elevator for most people. You know, the funny thing is that people say, oh, you must be happy. <laughs> well, yeah, I am when I am, and I'm not when I'm not, but that has nothing to do with whether I'm whistling. But for most people, you know, whistling is a mood elevator. And actually, um, I've had people tell me that listening to my CD has done a lot for them, you know, emotionally. I've heard some whistlers refer to their instrument as puckalos. Yeah. You don't like that? Well, you know, I know um, some whistlers who talk about puckalos and, you know, puckalists and, you know, all that. I, I personally, I mean, I think it's fine for them, but I, I personally don't go with the stuff that's too cute. You know, I do consider it my instrument, just like I consider my singing voice an instrument, uh, but, um, uh, you know, and, and, and a very portable one, but I don't use those terms. You mentioned earlier that the worst thing you want to have happen is to go dry. How do you maintain your instrument, if you will? First of all, uh, I don't know if it's the worst thing. I mean, you know, getting a fat lip, uh, you know, I, I, used to, I have a black belt in Taekwondo, and I used to worry about that a whole lot, too. In fact, I got hit in the mouth. I went to my dojang to work out the day I was getting married and, uh, you know, just to kind of relax. And uh, in what was supposed to be a non-contact session, I got hit right in the mouth and I had to keep an ice pack on my mouth the rest of the day so I would look okay for the, you know, the wedding pictures. And, and in fact, I was singing that night at the wedding. But um, uh, in terms of uh, lip care, uh, you know, I use lip balm to keep my lips moist and try to avoid uh, getting chapped. And uh, if it's very windy out, I, I have a parka that has a high neck that goes up under my nose and um, obviously have to keep um, hydrated. So these are all things that are part of keeping the lips in shape. What haven't you done yet that you would still like to do? In terms of career objectives? Mm -hmm. Well, I've done a little bit of of everything that I want to do, but um, you know, there are a lot of things that I want to do again and more of. You know, performing with a full symphony orchestra. You know, I would like to do that all over the world. Our listeners can find out more about you and your work at your website, right? SteveTheWhistler.com. Uh, www.stevethewhistler, all one word. dot com. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Cityscape. It's been a pleasure to be here, uh, George. Can I have you whistle us out to maybe a little New York, New York? Why not? World champion whistler Steve Herbst on Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Rashida Winfield. Have a great weekend.